Cowabunga! And welcome back to the Rediscover the 80s podcast and another episode of Rank'em, where we count down your favorites from the 80s. I am your host, Jason Gross, and I'm proud to welcome back as my special guest for this podcast, all the way from Dimension X, or maybe California, it is Brian Cave of OldSchoolEvil.com. How are you, Brian? Doing great. How about you? I'm doing well. Glad you are here. And uh, I guess uh, the listeners might now, would they've read the title of the episode, would know our subject for tonight, which is our favorite episodes from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle animated series. Brian is actually the inspiration behind the show because all month long he has been hosting. I don't know even know how to pronounce this, but it comes across a lot better in type than in, in right, uh, wow. right. So anyway, it, he uh, he threw TMNT in the middle of September, and he's been doing little tributes and reviews and everything over on his website. So tell us a little bit about why you uh, wanted to do that on your uh, blog, there, Brian. Well, um, this month, uh, Nickelodeon is uh, releasing their newest series, Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I thought Uh it would be a very good opportunity to go through the entire history of... um, I didn't go into comics. I never never have read the comics. But all the cartoons and movies and everything that have come out in their, what, like, 35-year history now almost. Right. So I've gone through... Six or seven movies now, and five different TV shows, cartoons, <laughs> live cartoons. So it's been a busy, busy month. Yes, and uh, I've been trying to follow along and getting your op- opinions on some of those movies, uh, mainly the newer ones, which I was interested in because uh, I, I don't know. I think maybe I'm in the minority on there where I can kind of stand well th- the second one more than the first one in the last couple years, but. Uh, I'm always curious to see what other people think of uh, those, uh, I guess you'd call them Michael Bay movies. Because, uh, yeah, it was Bayed, you know, quote unquote. But I don't know. There were still some elements in there that I thought were great that they left and or I guess maybe carried over from the history of the show. So, yeah, I just finally watched that Out of the Shadows movie last night. Um, I'm not going to have my review up until uh, Thursday, but uh, overall, I mean, it wasn't as bad as uh, the previous movie, but still had major problems. Yeah. Well, Uh, most movies uh, that try to (laughs) get remade or if you put Michael's Bay name to it, they usually get, you know, flushed down the toilet pretty quickly. And some people will even take the uh, plunger, you know, and plunge it a couple of times just to make sure it's gone. But Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> anyway, we are here to actually talk about the original series, which ran from 1987 to 1996, 10 seasons and 193 episodes. Pretty That's amazing. Right. So just as a little icebreaker before we get into our top five episodes, 
What do you remember as a kid about the show? Is there a specific time that you remember encountering it for the first time or was it a staple or? I'm not sure when I saw the very first episode, but I do remember watching it pretty much from its inception. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a big Transformers fan before this, but when this cartoon came out, it took over everything that I was watching at the time. Um, I never collected a lot of the toys. My parents didn't have a lot of money to throw at plastic, but I was a member of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan club. Came with a little bandana and uh, letters <laughs> and stuff like that. I wrote a an actual letter to the producer, the manufacturer of the toys, because I wanted to know about different toys that were coming out and everything. I mean, I was obsessed with this cartoon for a good while. And I remember my friend and I, around the time this cartoon came out, we were trying to write comics about like half human, half dogs, and half human, half cats and everything just going on stupid adventures. But yeah, Ninja Turtles was my life from about like 86 to 89. It was crazy. <laughs> well, I remember watching it uh, primarily at a friend's house and it would have been before it transferred over to CBS and their Saturday morning show. It was back when it was still in syndication because I remember going over to his house, you know, like in the afternoons after school and watching the show and, mainly playing the NES game. I don't know how many, how many hours we put into, you know, just learning everything we could about the game. I I think we might've even had a Nintendo power nearby, you know, just to get all the cheats and figure out which building and where you can rescue the turtles and how to get past the dam. And yeah. 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 So many lives spent in that electric seaweed. (laughs) But, uh, Yes, I remember watching it. it. I don't remember having, like you, a lot of the toys. Um, it was mainly my friend when I'd go over to his house and we would kind of play with them and uh, had a lot of the action figures. And did you have any of the toys at all? or was it I, don't, I don't specifically remember, uh, you know, like going to the store and asking for a Michelangelo or something. I think I did have a couple, but it was mainly, I think, going over to my friend's house and and, and playing with his stuff because he was he was over the top for the turtles. So it, it didn't really sink in. And I've never really gone back and watched, you know, seasons of the show. I've, I've watched quite a few, but uh, even the, the later ones, what they call the, what is it, the Red Sky seasons I've, oh, yeah. I've never gone into that deep of uh the turtle lore and uh and watched the show i guess maybe it got a little darker during those last couple seasons or something but the first three seasons which was the bulk of those like 193 it, it might have been close to 100 in those first three seasons i remember mainly watching those uh more than later in the 90s I remember catching a few of the later, like the last season of it uh, while it was on TV. Like I would be flipping channels and see it and you'd see them mutating the bigger, uglier turtles and fight some <laughs> space dragon. It was insane. And I was like, this is not what I grew up on. So <laughs> I didn't stick around for those very long. Yeah. So even at that time, then you could say, you know, it was not, it had morphed into something totally different than, what it was when we when it first came out and was fresh oh, and yeah. remember. So yeah, it was I mean, 
a terrific show. And I thought it might be fun to kind of go through and uh, and talk about some of the characters. Did you have a favorite character on the show? I was always a Raph fan. Um, I love the, uh, you know, his attitude, of course. So he's cool but rude. So uh-huh. um, I hated Michelangelo just... I think mainly because he was my brother's favorite and me and him never agreed on anything. So he epitomized the whole party guy and I just wanted nothing to do with that either. So <laughs> what about you? I was, I was a Michelangelo person. Definitely. Oh, no. I, I always, I always thought he had like the crappiest weapon though. I never liked the nunchucks, you know, I always wanted the swords or the bow staff, even the size were a little bit better than just, you know, swinging those nunchucks around. At least that was my opinion, but, I loved his when he got the grappling hook. Maybe a little bit better, but I was mainly into just his attitude and that almost like Bill and Ted, you know, Calabunga and just the party dude that was Michelangelo and the crazy pizzas that he would come up with. You know, I I don't know. I just loved everything about him. He was just fun and and more of the you know the the comic relief of the group. Than the other ones that had more of like a sharper wit, you know, like Raph or even Leonardo when, when they were, you know, funny. They were always like, okay, shut up, Michelangelo, and let's, let's actually get something done, you know. Oh, yeah. But I don't know. I, he was always my favorite turtle. As you've gotten older, has he still your favorite or has it changed at all? No, I, it's it's been pretty much him the whole time, you know. Uh, even up through, I remember watching the the first two movies in the theater, and you know the, the pizza dude's got thirty seconds, you know, and he's just I don't, I don't know he's still the, the somehow the the personality managed to transfer into those movies. I think he was uh, was it Corey Feldman that did his voice in the no, movies? Donatello, uh, Robbie Rist did Michelangelo. Okay, Rob. Okay, yes, that's right. I knew. Uh, Feldman had done one of the voices, but I don't know. I still felt that transition from the cartoon to, to the movies. And I loved the movies when they came out. They were, you know, the epitome of great, but <laughs> it's a little bit rough going back now, I think, and watching, at least from my perspective. But yeah, uh, I mean, it's still the best movies we've gotten. I can't <laughs> argue that. Right, right. But yeah, so just kind of going through the characters and there was such a great voice cast uh, that came together for this show and and lasted, you know, almost through all of the episodes. um, We had the same voices for the same characters. There's a few little places where I'm not sure the the backstory behind it, where uh, some of the other some voice actors took over for, you know, a, a few people for a couple episodes there. Mm-hmm. But um, Cam Clark, who it played He-Man and Prince Adam in the 2002 Masters Universe reboot, and yep. he was in Robotech and uh, even the uh, Akira film. He was the the English dub in that. Oh, he, yes, he was the the main character, I believe, Kaneda in the oh. uh, Akira film. I must have seen like a later dub when they had Johnny Young Bosch from the Power Rangers doing his voice. At least that's what my uh, research was showing. And then he was also Liquid Snake in the Metal Gear Solid gaming franchise. Oh, awesome. Kind of stuck out to me as well. But Cam Clark, yeah, uh, he's uh, most of these guys have a long history in in 
voice acting. And uh, mm-hmm. so he was he was Leonardo, and he was also Rocksteady and several other supporting characters. And then uh, yeah. Raphael, Raphael was Rob Paulson. Uh, I've actually had a chance to meet Rob Paulson at uh, RetroCon last year. Got to chat with him a little bit. Very personal guy um, from Michigan. So we, uh, me being from Pennsylvania, we talked a little football there, Michigan versus Penn State. That was fun to talk to him. But he was Raphael. And then it's interesting that, you know, in, in 2012 when the Nickelodeon series came about, he came back, but as Donatello, not the same. You know, that was something I had a major problem with just because, I mean, I only heard Raphael when Donatello was talking. But... Yeah, that, that was kind of strange. And I, I'm, you know, his voice is, he, you'd think he has control of it enough to maybe change it a little bit from the way he did Raphael back then. But, you know, just hearing him, you can still pull him out and, and, and I can see making that connection to Raphael more than Donatello, which he played in the, in the series. I don't know if you saw like the, um, that 2012 series had a episode called transdimensional turtles where they met up with the original. Right. Yes. I have not seen it. I I have uh, seen that they did that episode, but I have not watched it. Oh, Uh, that one's pretty good. And it's the only one really kind of worth watching. I thought so. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, but yeah, I love that they had the call back to Raphael and him sharing the same voice actor. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Uh, he was also uh, Zach the Fifth Turtle, if you remember those episodes, and then uh, Zenter of the Neutrinos. Oh, okay. But, uh, he was also uh, Pinky from Pinky and the Brain, and uh, he played Stanley Ipkiss from the Mask animated series. So he's done a lot of great uh, work. Uh, just moving on, uh, Barry Gordon was Donatello for pretty much every episode. He was also Bebop yep. and uh, several Hanna-Barbera cartoons along the way. I also found he was the Nesquik bunny in the TV wow. commercials. <laughs> Never made that connection before that the Nesquik bunny is Donatello, but I'll have to go back and, uh, and check that out just to see if I can hear him in that. <laughs> Another fun voice actor there. Townsend mm-hmm. Coleman, he was quite a bit as well in the show. Michelangelo, uh, yeah. also Attila the Frog. He was uh, Usagi Ujimbo, and uh, he also played uh, Scott in Teen Wolf. He was Waldo okay. and Where's Waldo. He was the Tick. Also found out he was the 7-Up spot in TV commercials. I didn't remember him talking, but... Uh, no, I didn't know he did either. <laughs> Shredder, of course, was uh, Uncle Phil, James yeah. Avery, for most of the episodes, about 70% of the episodes, I'll say. But mm-hmm. um, he also did a, a little bit of voice work along the way. He was the junkyard dog in Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. <laughs> um, he played uh, Turbo in Rambo Force of Freedom. And oh, uh, wow. in, the, in the mid-90s, he was War Machine in the Iron Man and Spider-Man cartoons. I do remember hearing that one, but I had not. Uh, funny how much of a surprise, I guess, like a, a secret that was hidden that he did that voice. Right. Because anytime anyone found out about that, they were just stunned. So. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's it's fun to watch. I've gone back and watched a few of the interviews. I think from some of the DVD sets on YouTube, and mm-hmm. him talking about how 
you know, just breaking into Shredder was much more uh, gratifying or something to, you know, around the kids versus being Uncle Phil, who was always the, uh, you know, the the more parental <laughs> over the top, you know, trying to keep uh, the Fresh Prince in line. But it's fun to watch those interviews. And even, some of these shows even have little tidbits of them actually in the studio, which I think is really cool to watch. Oh, that's awesome. Um, Pat Fraley, he was a big part of the show. He was Krang. He was Baxter Stockman, Casey Jones. He, yeah. For a while, I think he was Mr. Vernon and uh, Byrne at the Channel 6 studio there. Some of his other credits was uh, Denver, The Last Dinosaur, Brave Star, Scrooge McDuck, uh, Jake in the Filmation Ghostbusters, and he was Ace in G.I. Joe. Yeah. Uh, long, long list for Pat Fraley. I thought it was funny with Pat Fraley. He did Brave Star's voice, and then there's a Ninja Turtles kind of ripoff that I wrote about called Cowboys of Moo Mesa, where mm-hmm. he played a cowboy doing the exact same voice as Brave Star. <laughs> they didn't even change it at all or anything. So, <laughs> well, if you do one cowboy voice, I guess it's hard to uh, to do more. Yeah, you know. And then finally, before we get into our top five lists, we had uh, Renee Jacobs, who played April O'Neil. And mm-hmm. she just had a few little supporting voices uh, in, in her voice acting career. Uh, she was in The Glow Friends Save Christmas, uh, It's Punky Brewster, My Little Pony, and several films called Rose Petal Place, which I've never heard of. And there's only like um, eight credits for her, wasn't there? Yeah, it's very it's very short for her, at least for her voice acting career. But, I did um, see that she played April's mom, I guess, in the 2012 series or something like that. So, I that yeah, was- I did see yeah, I did see that they uh, they kind of brought her back for a little cameo role, which is neat. So, okay, well, that was just a little glimpse. I because it is such a great show and. It's the voice actors that really bring out these characters, you know, when you're watching. You don't necessarily appreciate them much when you're a kid because you're just so into the characters and and the toys and everything else. And you don't think that there's a a voice behind them. But just over the last several years, I've gone to, you know, appreciate them a lot more and and the performances that they did during some of these shows. And, And lasting as long as the show did just shows how well that they portrayed these characters and, and how much the the kids love them to keep the show going for so many years. So I did want to keep those in there. So we are up to our number five choice, Brian. And as always, the guest has the floor first. So uh, what is your number five episode of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Uh, I'm going with the, uh, I think it was the fifth episode, the incredible shrinking turtles. Um, oh yes, uh-huh. I, I love any show that has like the main character shrinking or growing or something like that. I mean, I know Dino Saucers had one where they all shrank, and you had Transformers that had mini bots that they mm-hmm. shrank to Megatron. So any kind of episode that has to do with like miniaturization is pretty cool. But you know, it starts out with this really lame like Green Lantern ripoff, and Alien crashes, and they're like. He's like, oh, there's three pieces to this thing you need to collect, and then he dies. So <laughs> I, I thought the best part of that episode was when the 
Shredder is spying on them, and then he confronts them after they find that first gem, and he beats the crap out of the turtles. It was the only time you really, well, one of the only times you ever really see it, but, I mean, one swift kick or something, and he's got all the turtles on their back, steals the gem, and, you know, it was pretty awesome just seeing Shredder be competent for once since he hardly ever is. (laughs) And it also... It also ends with a really great Shredder and Splinter fight where he almost kills Splinter in a uh, cheese pressing plant. So that was actually really cool. I mean, of course, the turtles get out and run away. You know, they escape with the... No, no, they don't get a gem. But I just thought it was really cool just seeing Shredder kick some butt because he really needs it. Yeah. And as goofy as that cartoon went, Shredder was just getting his ass handed to him every day. (laughs) So... Yeah, it's always nice to see when the uh, the bad guys actually think, you know, and one of their plots actually comes close to <laughs> to happening. And oh, yeah. just so many of these episodes are just bumbling and even crying, you know, the two between them two and Baxter Stockman. I don't know. I don't even know why sometimes that character was in there. But yeah. for, you know, just to be the uh the gopher you know for yeah. most of those episodes but i can't appreciate the shrinking type episodes there there is a shrinking episode of mask too where uh mayhem i think it's mayhem that shrinks the team and uh they have to get him back to real size and all the vehicles are kind of shrunk too so there's like a little mini battle while they're sh- tiny and <laughs> i don't know it seems like you know, you think of G.I. Joe where they uh, the Christmas one where they shrink and they go inside the the presents and they come out, you know, and they <laughs> I don't know. Always seems to be one of those episodes around. So I always like those kind of episodes when kids see the uh, the miniaturized thing and don't know that they're real. And it always made me when I was a kid be like, oh, it'd be so cool. If this was actually real. And, you know, but alas, yeah. that happened. <laughs> Well, very good. Uh, I like that choice at number five. My number five is the uh, introduction of Casey Jones. Casey Jones, Outlaw Hero, which was uh, season three, episode 23, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what it is about Casey Jones, but I always liked his character, I guess, more in the cartoon. He's more of that, I don't know, it almost sounds like he's doing a Clint Eastwood impression. Uh, I can't remember who, which, which voice actor it is that does Casey Jones, but I think it might be Pat Fraley, but, um, Mm -hmm. this one I liked, you know, you just get to see him in his element, taking care of all these, uh, crooks and stuff. People, uh, I think there were one person was like robbing a jewelry store and trying to think what else at the beginning of that episode where he's just kicking butt, you know, and then he's even kind of rejecting the turtles, he calls them freaks. I think at some point when he finally figures out it's them and then you get Krang using, I think this is the one where he's using that huge, uh, Oh, what did he call it? It's some machine. And he's like kind of terrorizing the whole city with it. Like the knuckle buster or something. Yes. Yeah. 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 It was the knuckle buster. Yeah. He, so he comes up with that machine and Casey and uh, I think it's Mikey on the back of that thing is, uh, you know, trying to, they had those bugs. That's right. So he's got those bugs that are going after all the technology. Yeah. And then they get, they throw the, uh, 
the like remote control for the bugs inside the the knuckle buster and basically make those bugs <laughs> eat the thing to mm-hmm. to get rid of it but uh i like at the end they're all kind of walking together and i think one of them even talks to him and they turn around he's he's not there it's you know it's kind of like the whole batman gag <laughs> yeah <laughs> where batman flees and you're sitting there talking to, to thin air and they're all like you know i i bet we'll see him again and He's kind of walking off into the sunset. Yeah, you'll see me again. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I always kind of liked his character, and it, he was okay in the first couple movies, or maybe he was just in the first movie. I can't remember if he was in both, but I liked the the actor more then than the the newer ones, where I, he just seems like a total dork or like a jock. And yeah, this one he's just more gruff and more rough around the edges, and you can see him just kind of walking down the street and people moving the other way, you know? I always liked the fact that in the cartoons, you never found out who he was either. He was just like, that's all he was with the hockey mask wearing. Right, right, right. And that was it. And yeah, anytime they kind of show like the character, especially like in the latest movie, I just take something away from Casey Jones. Especially (laughs) when you find out that's his real name and that's the only reason he went by it when Casey Jones was named after the the baseball player, the folk hero kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, much better in the cartoons. I agree. Okay, what's your number four pick? Uh, number four, I went with um, Leatherhead, Terror of the Swamp, and this is uh, Leatherhead's um, uh, inaugural episode. Um, mm-hmm. This uh, actually has um, also a an appearance from the punk frogs that showed up in season two. Uh, you had uh, Genghis and Attila and Napoleon and right. Rasputin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they went back to the swamp that they were created in. I almost picked the their first episode, but uh, I like the fact I love it when they throw a bunch of different characters together. So when they're fighting Leatherhead. They're in the swamp. He gets mutated by the same uh, ooze that had mutated the, the frogs. Mm-hmm. And the turtles go down to help them because Leatherhead's kicked the frogs' butts. And then Shredder and Bebop and Rocksteady go down there for... I don't even know why they're there. But, <laughs> but yeah, you have all of these different groups just coming together, fighting. Shredder, in the end, falls in the fountain of youth and turns into a baby. <laughs> and then escape. I just loved I, I love seeing the turtles and the frogs together as friends, but it just seemed really weird that Leatherhead would be able to kick for the frogs' butts when they almost beat up the turtles. You know. Right. Because yeah, the Shredder had trained them in ninjutsu in about two or three hours. And, <laughs> uh with weapons that are definitely not ninja weapons, so <laughs> I, I love that episode. It was a lot of fun just seeing all these different groups come together. I got you. Yeah, I that uh, the first episode made my list. I'll talk about that in a little bit with the punk oh. frogs. But yeah, I get your point. Where there are several episodes where you get you get the neutrinos involved, and you get you know other kind of one off characters that will come in, and then you get the full you know shredder and. Krang and the, the whole gang there. So yeah. I can appreciate that. They did a really good job juggling a lot of these different characters in the 
in the episodes that they're in. So I got to give them a lot of credit for that. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, number four for me, I'm going with uh, season four, episode nine, Planet of the Turtles. And uh, this is the one where the turtles, they're like sitting back, they're watching this like intergalactic turtle wrestling on TV. <laughs> and it just so happens that Shredder and Krang are doing this. And they see this infomercial about this energy draining machine. And then like Shredder gets this idea to, uh, to get this machine. And he kind of drags a couple of the, those turtle wrestlers that are like Hans and Franz basically from, from uh, SNL. Um, that I don't, again, with the turtles and having their kind of counterparts or their bizarro turtles, I guess you would say in there, I always liked those kind of episodes where they kind of played off each other. And these, these turtles were bigger than them. So they can kind of, they were almost intimidating. I think when they first met them, but the, the turtles get to go to this planet too, which is like pretty much why I put it on the list. Cause it's, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like planet of the apes, you know, when you, <laughs> you get there and you, it, everything, everybody's a turtle, you know, everybody's this. So they kind of just kind of fit in like, this is their planet almost, but you're going back and forth between the turtle planet and earth. And it, the, you know, the, the plot is kind of cheesy with this, <laughs> this machine and the, the, uh, the announcer guy with the, you know, the, Buy it now, and you know the the guy, the uh, the MC from the infomercial, that he gets dragged around as well with these other <laughs> Hans and Franz turtles. So it was kind of the plot was kind of dumb. But I don't know. I just like them being on this planet of turtles oh, yeah. and uh, just interacting with them as some place where they so, belong, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, basically like that, and getting to see. Well, you know, I, I guess you get a little bit of that with. Uh, some of the other episodes where they're on a, another planet or dimension X or whatever. Yeah. But I don't know. I always like to go to, to different places other than just there's something going on on earth and they got to come out of the sewer and, you know, get shredder. Yeah. This was a little bit different than that. So that's why I kind of put it on the list. Very cool. So uh, number three for you, moving right along. It's another episode with Leatherhead. Uh, this was uh, a season three. I don't remember the episode number, but it's Leatherhead meets the Rat King. And that's pretty much all you need to know right there. But <laughs> Leatherhead comes to New York. He's going to get the turtles for what they did to him in the swamp. This was like, I don't know, just a handful of episodes after the uh, other Leatherhead episode. Mm-hmm. And I, I love this cartoon, this episode, because half the time the turtles aren't even in it really. I mean, they're doing training exercises together, but they're not involved in the plot at all. Um, mm-hmm. Leatherhead goes down in the sewers, runs into the rat King Leatherhead, you know, obviously a giant mutant alligator thinks that rats can't do anything to him, <laughs> but they uh, knock a bunch of rafters onto his head and he falls into a pit and rat King makes him his slave. And rat King stole like a, a tanker full of, um, rat poison and was going to turn it into mind control juice that where he can control New York and the turtles somehow find out they go down there 
they set the tanker to explode, and that's all they really do in the episode. I mean, I know, and Leatherhead just says, oh, I'm going to go back to the swamp. I don't like the city. And that was about it. I love the fact that the turtles, while they're doing their own thing, they just are not involved in this plot, like almost all. There was very little episodes that did not have like Shredder, you know, the, the normal characters. So, yeah, I, I see you get something out of the norm there. I don't, is Leatherhead, I guess, one of your favorites? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I love the fact he's this big alligator and that Creole accent that he's got is, is great. But <laughs> just those two episodes, I think the fact you have one episode where it's all the turtles and the frogs together fighting Leatherhead, and then you have another one where it's two bad guys fighting each other and the turtles are just kind of stuck in the middle. Mm-hmm. I, I just really like the fact that you're seeing the enemies interact without the turtles being even a part of it at all. Gotcha. So, like I said, they did a great job juggling all these characters, and and this is another episode where they do a really good job with it. Gotcha. I, I don't remember the- that one specifically, watching that one, but I do yeah. remember the Rat King on... Uh, he was on an earlier... like Wasn't it like season maybe two or three when they introduced him? He showed up um, in season three, early season three. I think... Um, I, I want to say like maybe two or three episodes before Casey Jones did. Okay. You know, and he was trying to... He took control of Splinter and... Um, right, 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 right. But but beyond that, I don't remember even seeing him in all these episodes, so it's a surprise when I'm going back through him and Wrecking is fighting Leatherhead or just making little appearances like he will in my next episode. So, so yeah, <laughs> it's really cool how to do that stuff. All right, well, uh, uh, my third choice... Number three on the list is the invasion of the punk frogs, their their first appearance. Attila the Frog, Genghis Frog, Rasputin the Mad Frog, and Napoleon Bona Frog. Nice. I don't, I, I don't know what I love the names. And yeah, so they did get trained a little bit too quick. And, <laughs> you know, they were uh, the, the menace that they were, you know, just the within that episode length, but I don't know. I still enjoyed them. I thought they were fun. And, you know, I love episodes. I love that it's set like in New York city. A lot of these, even though I just said, I love when they go to other planets and stuff too, but uh, just the, the backdrop of that. And during this episode, they have like the NYPD has like this anti-turtle task force, you know, and it's just, I, I don't know. It's like, uh, I like seeing the 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 almost real elements of what would happen if you had all these <laughs> turtles and frogs, you know, roaming the streets of New York, uh, oh, yeah. and and how the humans would react. But yeah, I I don't know. I just like the characters and the even the voices and everything. Oh yeah, uh, I always loved how laid back all of them were. Even as bad guys, when they're trying to fight the turtles, they're just like. Oh man, I really like this place. Yeah, <laughs> they were so much fun, and yeah, they were awesome. I love those guys. And this was—it uh, seemed like this was kind of a trope too in the cartoons, where you think of like the character Jetfire and mm-hmm. Transformers, where he's essentially thinks he's a bad guy, thinks he's part of the Decepticons, and 
all that perspective gets changed. He's kind of manipulated by uh, uh, Starscream for a while, but then, you know, comes back around and actually helps the Autobots. And I think they do, didn't they get him out of the ice at one point? And they introduced him and he kind of sacrifices himself. And then they, they did bring him back, I think, at some yeah, point. Probably- but it's that same kind of, okay, I'm I'm here and I'm being manipulated by the bad guys, but I finally figure out what's going on and, and jump onto the good guy's side, you know? Yeah. So that's you know, obviously what happens here with the punk frogs. But so that was my number three. We got a couple left. So uh, what's your number two, Brian? My number two, another season three episode. I think all of mine were in season three because that's where they, they use the most amount of characters. I mean, uh-huh. You had Yosagi Ojimbo show up, intro to all these other different characters. And uh, mine is a Return of the Fly. Baxter Stockman is my absolute favorite villain in that show. I actually <laughs> had figure when I was a kid. I, I loved... I didn't like him so much before he turned into a fly, but like his look as the fly was just awesome. He was with Shredder a lot in the first and second season. But then when he became the fly... He disappeared for like half a season for some reason. So this one, he comes back. He was uh, he was actually out of phase with the rest of the uh, universe to where he couldn't interact with anything. Some reason he decides at this point he's going to come back. He gets electrocuted by a lightning bolt that hits the Empire State Building, and uh, that somehow resets him. And he comes back into our universe. And he immediately goes after the turtles and Shredder, most mostly Shredder. And then uh, he ends up meeting Shredder, and Shredder tricks him into fighting the turtles. Baxter's like, "Oh, you're not going to get me again," but then he pretty much does. He <laughs> right? Yeah, he kidnaps April. Um, April, uh, when when the turtles are trying to find April, that's when the Rat King does come back and helps them find April, and then disappears. He's just like, "Oh, she's over that way." And that's it. That's his entire appearance. But then he fights Shredder. And Shredder's plan, I love that Shredder's plan here is just resources. Like, Technodrome's overheating, steal a bunch of water. I mean, not even, like, against the turtles. <laughs> Let's just steal a reservoir. Rocksteady and Bebop have freeze rays, end up freezing everything. Um, Baxter Stockman ends up getting frozen again and going back to the Technodrome. You think he's going to be gone forever again, just like he was last time, but he escapes, and that's the end of the episode. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was a really good episode, and I'm just really, I love seeing Baxter Stockman back again because he's hes such an interesting character when he's the fly because he's kind of smart at sometimes, but kind of stupid, like he doesn't realize what's going on with everything. Mm-hmm. So... But yeah, he was he was definitely my favorite of all the villains. I liked him better in Bebop or Rocksteady and everything. So maybe it was because I had the toy. Maybe I had the toy because I liked him better. But whatever the case is, he was awesome. Yeah, he. I mean, he definitely was not my favorite. But I do remember this episode, and it's it's funny how they in when you you know have a show that's a hundred and whatever I said nineties episodes, you're gonna end up playing off of other pop culture. Uh, movies and shows and stuff. So seeing seeing him as kind of the fly, uh, yeah. you know, transform into that, and 
uh, it did make him a lot more interesting. Let me put it that way. <laughs> when he uh, when he became that, so I can uh, I can definitely appreciate that one. And his, uh, his, I don't know. He like I said, he was he probably wasn't my least favorite character on the show. I'd probably tack that one on to April's roommate. Uh, is it Irma? Oh my gosh, he just annoyed the crap out of me. But then again. And she's in the my favorite episode too. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that happens, though. That you know, like you said, some of these characters they develop or they something happens to them that makes them uh, a little more interesting. And along the way, through all those episodes, you can't just have the same character do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Well, and. <laughs> Maybe Shredder is kind of like that, but you, you, you know, you got him coming up with different plans and stuff. But that that was another element, Baxter Stockman, that I did like. Yeah, I'm glad that he didn't stay as Shredder's lackey once he came back. That was really nice. That yeah. kept him, you know, with his own right. agenda and everything. Yeah, yeah, it definitely made more sense. Okay, well, that was uh, that was a good choice. My number two. Is uh, season three, episode forty? The gang's all here, and this is where uh, Bebop and Rocksteady they put on this. Uh, well, we'll call it an act, but it was a really bad act to get the yeah. turtles to eat these cookies. And but <laughs> these are, these are not ordinary cookies because they could uh, turn them back to human. And mm-hmm. it's fun that they. You know, it's well, it's it's stupid. They didn't realize this is hey, this is Bebop and Rocksteady looking like a old man and old woman walking down the street. <laughs> but it's you know, they they do figure out, I guess, at some point that what the cookie. I think Donatello actually like analyzes a cookie or something, and they figure out that there's like mutagen or anti mutagen or something in there that will revert their characteristics back and they they did kind of play off this and i think it was the second michael bay movie yeah um yeah. where i think it's raft is the one that that's talking about you know what it would be like to be human and all that well this in this episode i thought was really cool because you know michelangelo is the one that eats it and turns into the kid and it's it, he's kind of going back and forth between being the kid being the turtle and just about the time that he's ready to go kick butt is when he, you know, turns back into the kid. And I don't know. I just thought it was fun seeing Michelangelo, what he would look like as a, as a human, you know, and I, I don't know. I just, I love this episode. This is where April, she is also like infiltrating this gang for uh, trying to get a story basically. And, oh, <laughs> and, uh, Michelangelo is the one that actually you know helps her to get get out of the situation, but um, I don't know. I, I like this episode just for the fact that we got to see what one of the turtles actually lo- would look like as a human. Yeah, I, I really am glad. Well, with the the other movie, uh, it was Michelangelo that originally wanted to be human. Like he was the one that was escaping out of the sewers doing a Halloween parade and was like, "Oh, oh we belong at- right." Yeah, it, it is pretty cool. I'm in that episode. Did they want to become human, or did it, or did it just happen? And they no. I I believe what happens is at the beginning they're all when they figure out about the cookie, 
they're all like, no, stay away from it. You know, we want to be turtles. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to mess with that. And yeah. Michelangelo's like, well, I, you know, he just kind of goes his own way and decides to go ahead and eat it and see what happens. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was something that I didn't quite like in the, uh, in the last movie because the, the first trilogy, there was always that whole, I love being a turtle thing. And then for the right, movie, right. turtle anymore, it's like, that doesn't seem right. I mean, they've never been uncomfortable as turtles or, you know, you know, feeling out of place that much. So, so. Yeah, and I did like how they kind of spun that back around, and you know, even when I think it's, I think that's the one at the end where they're all kind of hanging off the building, and they are just kind of professing their love to each other, and yeah. it's it's maybe a little over the top, but they bring Raphael back around to where he's like, yeah, I, I, this is my guys here. I don't, I don't need to be, you know, playing up that human angle, and yeah. but they did. I think they did that a couple times in the in the cartoon series where yeah, they want to, they want to help, but they also kind of want to fit in too. So I think there was an episode, I think it was Raph that maybe was on like a cruise ship with uh, like a costume party and he kind of goes as himself, you know, and he's, I I can't remember the whole, uh, the whole plot to that one. That one's kind of sticks out in my mind is, Hey, let's, uh, Let's kind of be ourselves amongst the humans and, and see what happens. It's kind of like the episode of Alf where he puts the zipper on and he's at the costume party. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of like that, that angle of it, but not that he was kind of rejecting being a turtle. And I don't think that's the way I think Michelangelo was more curious in this episode than anything. Yeah. Just to see yeah. what it would be like. So, but anyway, I threw that in there. I thought that was a, a really fun one. And I, remembered watching as a kid too and liking the episode. So, all right, well, we're up to our number one. What did you choose as your favorite? My uh, favorite is actually Baxter Stockman's first episode as the fly, enter the fly. This was a (laughs) season two, I think after he was stuck with uh, shredder for quite a while Mm -hmm. when, uh, Crane wasn't really giving Shredder any help. He was in Dimension X. Shredder was just had Baxter Stockman. And Shredder had finally uh, persuaded Crane to switch Baxter Stockman for Bebop and Rocksteady. So Baxter <laughs> Stockman goes to Dimension X. He says he could help Crane. Crane's, you know, he's a scientist. I can help you. And Crane's like, I'm already a scientist. Get rid of him. And Crane <laughs> is going to disintegrate him. I mean, he's straight up going to murder this character. They go the route of the fly with, uh, you know, the movies where a fly goes into the disintegration chamber with him and somehow mutates them into, or mutates them into this big fly, fly guy. Mm-hmm. He's out of Technodrome, goes after Shredder. Um, he kind of doesn't know what's going on, but he goes after Shredder and Shredder is unfortunately able to convince him all the turtles did that. I had nothing to do with it. So Baxter joins them to fight the turtles. And um, the turtles, are they issue a uh, challenge to the turtles just before them versus Shredder and Bebop, Rocksteady, and Baxter. And they were going to do that dimensional shift thing. Mm-hmm. And Baxter ends up getting stuck in it. And then that's when Baxter goes away forever. Well, you know, for a long time. So. 
Yeah. I, I love, like I said, I love Baxter Stockman. I love the the homage to the Fly movie, and you know how they went that route. And I love how brutal Krang is to just say, uh, "Just kill him off. We don't need him." I mean, you don't ever see that they banish people or something, but for him to just say, eh, "Disintegrate him. We don't need him at all." That was just really, really crazy to see in a cartoon. So it was a lot of fun that episode. I just wish that Baxter wasn't so easily played by Shredder there, but uh, at mm-hmm. least it gets his weapons a little later. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Baxter is easily my favorite guy in that show. I I can't uh, I can't deny that. Cool. Yeah, like I said, I can appreciate that episode and the 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 parallels to the the Fly movie and just like I said before, how they they made him. Uh, a little more menacing, a little more interesting than just the goofy sidekick scientist. Yeah. Know? So I can appreciate that choice. Cool. Okay. I'm up to uh, number one here myself. I chose season two, episode six, the case of the killer pizzas. <laughs> uh, this one, it, well, it, obviously, it played off of the love of pizza by the turtles, mm-hmm. and uh, the fact that they would, you know, kind of come out and and they take these. Uh, they're like eggs. I think it's Crane that sends the uh, the eggs. Basically, here, use these, you know, Shredder, uh, to go get the turtles, and they they plop them in as like meatballs or toppings on the pizza, and they hold this like contest for uh free pizzas in the middle of Times square or wherever it was <laughs> yeah and you know they lure the turtles out because they can't resist you know getting some free pizza probably led by michelangelo and you know they get the pizza uh i, I think uh april actually gets one is it april yeah april or, and irma, they do yeah they, they get the first one and you know that's yeah irma tosses it in the microwave and then this huge like xenomorph <laughs> creature you know they, they eventually become uh and then i think they call the turtles and i think the there's a couple kids i can't remember whose kids they were or how they were involved in the story they get the the other two pizzas pop them in the microwave and then they're you know the those crazy uh, creatures come out and i don't know i just i love the the whole plot to the thing i like the creatures and just the turtles, you know, thinking about them battling together. But I, I don't know. They, it's kind of the, got to the point where I think Shredder and uh, I think maybe even Baxter thought they could control them. I think that maybe they had a device or something that kind of controlled them. And then it ends up turning on them, you know. So the, the creatures are just creatures, basically. They don't care who they're going to get. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they, they figure out, I think at the end, how to get them back into the the eggs and (laughs) uh, I don't know. I, that was, that was one I remember watching as a kid. And uh, I think it was, I I, want to say at the end of that episode was kind of like somebody, one of the turtles offers to get pizza or something. They're all like, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of a role reversal there. But uh, anyway, that was my number one choice. Uh, I love that we can take stuff from these, uh, you know, adult movies, R-rated movies, and whatever, and put in the parodies in the uh, in the cartoons, and uh, 
I mean, and if a kid actually watched that stuff, they'd be traumatized, but but they kidify them enough that it's perfect for kids to watch. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was kind of a sneaky way to get crazy stuff, almost like horror stuff, into kids' cartoons. And oh, well, yeah. you, you think about just Krang and <laughs> this blob, you know, and I don't know. I, would, mm-hmm. I didn't put an... A, particular episode with Krang in here. I guess maybe the the one with Casey Jones. He's more the the forefront, you know, being the 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 one in the uh, the knucklebuster terrorizing New York. I always yeah. thought it was fun to see him outside of the the body. Yeah. You plop him into a machine or something else and then Shredder's always there to like catch him at the end when the machine blows up. <laughs> Put him back in the body. Flies in Shredder's hands. Yeah, Krang was always an interesting character to me, but they did put a bunch of other like one-off characters. It seems into into these episodes too that just seemed to fit. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh yeah, I, I thought it was cool that the uh, the aliens in that episode, the you know the killer pizza aliens, mm-hmm. showed up in the Ninja Turtles what the arcade game when they're surfing yes. down the sea yes. and they would pop out. Yes, that was really cool seeing that uh, them make that appearance. Yes, I forgot about that. I do remember. Uh, I think it's the um, it's the four player one, right? Yeah, the arcade game. Yeah, because uh, when we were in uh, in Tennessee at that arcade uh, during my uh, my fortieth birthday, I remember playing that and seeing those pop out. So yeah, that's that's neat how they added some of that stuff in. Yeah, be on the cartoon. Oh yeah, so. yeah those are awesome. I, I just the fact that little things like that can make it into the games. Even I mean, it shows that a lot of the people behind that stuff just loves what they were working with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you could throughout the whole show, you can just tell it was a labor of love for everybody. And even if you watch some of the behind the scenes stuff and and some of the voice actors when they're talking about the show. It was just a class A time for everybody. And it really came out, even the writing and, and everything throughout the episode. Some of the plots were lame. Yeah, of course. You got 190 episodes, so you got to come up with something to get them, you know. But for a lot, a lot was inserted into the show that just made it last as long as it did, you know. So good stuff, man. That was uh, that was really fun. I'm glad uh, glad you were able to inspire me <laughs> to get on yep. and, and do a podcast like this and uh, talk about the turtles. And you know, I'm, I'm going to invite everybody to go over there to Old School Evil and and check out your uh, post from September. And you still got a few upcoming. So if you're listening to this here towards the end of the month, go check those out and uh, and check out the past ones from this month and. Anything else you want to mention before you we head out of here as far as the website or anything goes? You want to plug? Uh, Thursday we'll have the uh, Out of the Shadows review. And mm-hmm. then on uh, Friday, the last uh, weekday of the month at least, we'll have a review of the Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I've only watched the first episode. I mean, it's, it's some new direction they went. And I like uh, some of the stuff and some of the stuff I'm not too fond of. So I'll watch a couple more episodes, give it a little better chance. And then after that, I am taking a break because I have never worked this hard on the blog at all. It's free. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I can I can relate. It it comes it ebbs and flows for me as well. You you get a you get charged, you get on a topic, you get a something going with uh just that's different than what you normally do, and you just go full force into it, and then it's time to relax for a little bit, get on to something else or Yeah. I don't think I can do this for a long, long time. (laughs) Well, Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on here and giving me a chance to talk about it. Absolutely. So uh, it's fantastic that you reached out to me and, uh, you know, invited me on to have this. Absolutely. Appreciate you coming back on again. And uh, we we do have some fun out there on the Twitter. Uh, Brian is old school evil with the underscores in the middle. If I remember right, that's right. Come out there to Twitter, follow him. And, uh, you know, I'm at RD eighties. We have a, a group of, uh, like-minded, uh, retro and eighties type people that we interact with a lot over there on Twitter. It's really fun. Uh, some of the topics we've been doing, we've been trying to this week, at least, uh, start up something each day and, uh, comment on and, and just have fun with it. Basically no agenda, just, Let's see what uh, what answers we can come up with to a, a fun question for everybody. So, yeah, just uh, get some retro love out there, right? Absolutely. So uh, come join us over there on Twitter. And on behalf of Brian, thank you so much for listening to the Rediscover the Eighties podcast and uh, this episode of Rankum and the Turtles. So uh, thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Cowabunga! Bunga.